This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome to a, another edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast. This one's a little bit different today. Uh, as opposed to breaking down a WWE pay-per-view or a horrible Met loss or fantasy football, I wanted to talk about the loss of a legend, the loss of a hero in Senator John McCain. Uh, I will not be able to give as good of a tribute as the many that knew him and the many that worked with him or the many that competed with him or the many that fought wars with him or a war with him. But I can speak the way a lot of us can speak, and that's as American citizens. I look back at John McCain, and I I was thinking about this over the last few days because he's obviously been battling brain cancer for, I guess, over a year now. And when the announcement was made a few days ago that he was no longer going to fight this We knew this day was coming. We knew it was inevitable. And so I started thinking back to Senator John McCain and my time as, you know, a relatively young man and what I knew about him. And the truth is he got me into politics. He really did. I mean, I always remember having an interest in presidential elections and an interest in presidents and an interest in things like that. But when he ran in 2000, and I think it was one of many who I got swept into it. And what was frustrating is that, you know, you look at my birthday, July 11th, 1983, I just missed being able to vote for him and missed being able to vote in that 2000 election. But I remember back to the Straight Talk Express as a 17-year-old, and I was all in. And, you know, I believed in the Maverick and the story of him being the hero that he was and dealing with things that, 99% of the population would have no idea how to deal with, and that's being a prisoner of war. I mean, I look at anybody who has ever experienced something on that level, and I marvel at their toughness, and I marvel at their resolve. Because we can all say, oh, we would do this in this situation. I don't think I would be able to survive. And when you read specifically what happened to him, when his plane went down, and I think he had both arms broken at the time and one of his legs broken and being captured by the enemy. And I think I remember reading back that he was offered the chance to leave because of who his father was and because of who his grandfather was, and he turned it down. He said, I'm not leaving without the rest of my fellow soldiers, the rest of my fellow men who were also POWs. And now, it's easy to say now, of course, yeah, I'm in the military. I, I would do the same thing. You kidding me? You kidding me? A chance to have freedom? So his story was inspirational, but his campaign was inspirational. And 
I think what was unfortunate as a wide-eyed, naive 17-year-old at the time was how it ended for him in that campaign. And how it ended for him was dirty tricks. It ended for him because he had won New Hampshire and he was leading in South Carolina. And I remember believing, oh, you know, I'm kind of still learning the process of a Republican primary and Democratic primaries. But I figured, okay, he's going to win South Carolina. He's going to win this nomination. And remember, he's competing with a guy. You know, I know John's father, Senator McCain's father and grandfather, like I mentioned, were legends. But he's dealing with in competing with the son of a president, a governor. And the dirty tricks that occurred in South Carolina, I think was my realization as a young American of, wait a second, the stuff you believe in, you know, the the campaign that you're starting to have a wide eyes about and believe in and love, this is still dirty. And politics is a dirty, dirty game. And remembering back to what happened, the whisper campaign about you know, does John McCain have an illegitimate child? It was disgusting. It was awful. And I remember after it happened, holding a vendetta against Governor Bush and turned out to be President Bush at the time because, hey, if that came from his campaign and it seemed like it did, specifically Carl Rove, you know, you hold the candidate responsible. And it, it hurt. It, it definitely did. Now, And I've been able to look past it now and judge President Bush differently than just that campaign. But that was quite a welcome into watching politics as a young man. But I marveled at Senator McCain. He was that first candidate that I believed in. And, you know, you look back at what happened and you look at history. You're telling me he wouldn't have been a good president during the period between 2001 and 2005 when he would have potentially been sworn in and late January of 2001, and served a full term. You're telling me, considering what this country faced, he wouldn't have been an unbelievable leader at that time? And and I don't know how much of this is rumor or not, but I also remember the idea that he was going to challenge President Bush. He was going to go after him in 2004. We were going to get ourselves a primary challenge. He was going to come right back at President Bush and say, all right, I'm going to take this nomination away from you. And man, you just look at history. That's tough to do. You know, I think Teddy Kennedy tried to do it against Jimmy Carter. Ronald Reagan tried to do it against Gerald Ford. It's a, it's a tough thing, man. You'll see it in 2020. If a Republican tries to take away the nomination away from the current president, that's not easy to do. And so for a few years, it felt like John McCain was flirting with doing that or becoming a Democrat. I remember going into the 04 campaign when it was obvious that he was not going to be able to challenge Bush and have a chance to beat him. There was this idea that John McCain could join John Kerry's ticket. He could be his running mate. I never forget those rumors. And a part of that is a testament to Senator McCain that while he was a Republican, he did live up at times, not always, but at times to that maverick label that a Democratic presidential candidate and also a a Vietnam veteran in Senator Kerry at the time could actually take John McCain and have him as his running mate. And I think politically it was brilliant because he then goes to the Republican uh, convention in 2004 and makes a stirring speech in supporting 
President Bush. So I think he kind of rope-a-doped the Democrats a little bit to get them thinking that he would join them and then pulled it back a little bit. And I remember one of the lines he had at that convention. It was a very good convention speech, even if I don't know his heart was fully into it because I'm sure there was some bitterness still at President Bush when he went after Michael Moore. I don't know why I remember that so well, but Michael Moore... Michael Moore, yeah, whatever, the filmmaker, the, the, the dude who made Fahrenheit 9-11, I think that's his name, you know who I'm talking about, he was at the convention, and I, I'm trying to remember the exact line, I'm sure you could YouTube it, where Senator McCain says, despite what a disingenuous filmmaker may say, and it got this raucous, raucous applause, but hey, J- Senator McCain was a war hero, yes, indeed. He was a, an inspirational presidential candidate in 2000. Yes, indeed. Hey, he was tied to that Keating 5 scandal in the late 80s. So there was that swamp feel to him as well, like I guess every politician. But he was a good politician. And at times he knew what he was doing. And I thought that rope-a-dope he did in 2004 to the Democrats and Senator Kerry, I thought it was pretty brilliant. I got to tell you, I thought it was brilliant. And... Then you got the 08 campaign. And, okay, so now I'm an adult now, right? I'm no longer the wide-eyed 17-year-old. And I've seen that, hey, Senator McCain can play politics with the best of them. Maybe not as dirty as Karl Rove, but he can play politics too. So he runs in 2008. And I was, look, I'm still a fan. I was always a fan of his. But maybe not with the same wide-eyed look that I had back in 1999. And and no doubt, when you remember the candidates for the Republican nomination in 2008, there was, it's not even close, no offense to Mike Huckabee or Mitt Romney, whoever else was running, John McCain was my guy from the Republican side. I'm telling you, maybe I should do more podcasts politically because I'm all over the place politically. You may think I'm a Republican right now based, based on the way I'm talking, and I have voted Republican many times, and I guess right now I am a registered Republican, and probably... I guess if you measure my politics, it's it's down the middle. Maybe it tilts right. I'm not I'm not even sure. I'd have to take one of those political tests, but I'm all over the place. Trust me on that. So he runs in 2008, and I don't know why. It just it felt like he never had a chance to win, you know. And I know the Republicans at times has been known as the party where wait your turn and you will get the nomination. Bob Dole waited his turn, and he got it in 1996. So maybe John McCain did fit the wait your turn mold. Um, Mitt Romney wasn't in that mold. Mike Huckabee certainly wasn't. So John McCain did fit that mold, but it felt like it was a presidential campaign that was going nowhere, and it kind of felt sad. I remember watching him feeling sad, thinking, "Eh, this this isn't 2000. And it all of a sudden changed. It all of a sudden changed. And I think he was pushing... That, hey, I was right about the Iraq surge. I think that was one of the things that resonated. And maybe it was that the other candidates weren't good enough. But he goes out and wins the nomination. And I think it was in New Hampshire where he pulled off the upset. And then, hey, take it to the bank. John McCain's going to run for president. Now he's going to actually get the nomination. And we'll see what happens. And when he got the nomination, and now it's not against Hillary Clinton, it's against an unknown senator who was a community organizer and was in the Senate for five minutes before he starts running in Barack Obama, you look at the both of them, and Obama was incredibly inspirational. I mean, he he could give a speech like the best of them. But, and I think any Obama supporter back then would tell you, 
I mean, you put Barack Obama and John McCain's resumes together, they're not even close. I mean, and you could do that with anybody, really. I mean, you could have put John McCain's resume against, you know, Mitt Romney in the Republican nomination. It wasn't even close. And Romney was a governor. So he certainly had that experience and he had that resume and he was a war hero. And George, I always say this, and I mean this with all the peace and love and peace and love to President Bush. President Bush screwed him again. I mean, think about it. <laughs> I mean, he screwed him again. He beats him in 2000 with the help of dirty tricks from Carl Rowe where they're spreading these ridiculous rumors. And then McCain has no shot to win the nominee, or to win the presidency because the economy tanks. And every American is blaming George W. Bush and the Democrats, to their credit, because you have to do this in politics, whether it's fair or not or right or wrong, start calling John McCain, John McBush. I'll never forget that. This is Bush's third term if McCain wins. And it kind of pissed me off because... John McCain didn't like George W. Bush. I mean, how could he? You know, I, I, I think at the time there were all these thoughts of does McCain even want Bush to campaign for him or, or things like that. And I know he always made nice. You have to in politics. You have to make nice, you know, especially with a, a, the two term president from your own party. But hey, hey look, you got to do what you can in politics to win. Uh, there are certain things that are way below the belt, certain things that are way too dirty. You know, taking a Republican and saying he's just like this Republican is not the dirtiest thing in the world by any stretch. But that's what they did. And that's why John McCain lost again. And both times it was pretty much because of Bush. And, you know, it was one of those elections where I liked both candidates. It's the opposite of 2016, where I was so disgusted by our two candidates that I had to write in somebody who was running uh, a little bit different. Oh, wait, I, I was hopeful with both gentlemen that either person who won could have done a very good job. And I'm convinced of that with John McCain, that he could have done a very good job as president. Um, people examine his legacy and say, did he make a mistake picking Sarah Palin? I, I give Senator McCain credit for this. He has never turned on that for the most part. And maybe I'm missing it, but I've never seen him come out and really turn on it. It's like he's owned that decision, even though all the rumors, and I think that book Game Changer that came out, basically said he wanted, you know, Joe Lieberman or Lindsey Graham. He wanted you know, one of his guys to be the vice presidential nominee and not necessarily the governor of Alaska that I don't think he had ever met until they decided to pick her. But he's owned that decision. And truthfully, and I love looking back at elections and trying to analyze what this side could have done or that side could have done. And that's why you hear me say, hey, when the Democrats did this, this was brilliant. When the Republicans did this, blah, 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 blah. I kind of look at it sometimes as you're strategizing. That's why maybe in another lifetime I would be a political consultant. But I, I kind of hate both parties too much to ever work for either one of them. <laughs> <laughs> this day and age, I do. So I don't know if it would work. But he always, it seemed, to own that decision. And the truth is, that decision is not the reason he didn't win in 2008. I mean, that should be put to bed. That's not why he didn't win in 2008. And I thought that he ran a gracious campaign against Obama. I thought he could have been dirty. He could have tried scare tactics. He didn't. When he lost the presidency, he was gracious. And I think he also understood what that moment meant. 
He understood how historic it was. And he was gracious. And he's going to be missed, man. I mean, he did so much for veterans when you look at the legislation that was just passed and signed by the president with his name on it. He was always a voice. And I know a lot of people disagreed with him. There were times I disagreed with him. But he was always a voice that was grandfatherly, that you trusted. At least that's the way I felt, that you believed it was coming from a good place. There are people in our current politics who I don't necessarily think come from that kind of place on both sides, you know, and I think he did. And I think he really came from love of country. And his voice in the Senate's going to be missed. His voice just as a regular American is going to be missed. I think that him challenging the current president was always a good thing. You know, that, that's part of who he is, to challenge it and to call out somebody, even if it's unpopular with your own base. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. That's a patriotic thing. You know, the one thing I've never loved in politics, and it's gotten worse, but let's not get fooled, it didn't start yesterday, is how it's become a team sport. And maybe my whole lifetime it's been that way. You know, I was looking back at the Clinton impeachment and Senate trial hearings, and the one thing I wanted to refresh my memory about was who voted to convict President Clinton and who voted not to. And it was so partisan. You know, and and that shouldn't be a surprise. And I remember back to the Bush era, it was so partisan. And the Obama era was basically like, yeah, we're partisan because you were partisan. And I feel like every four years and every eight years, it gets worse and worse. And so he wasn't perfect. I'm not going to sit here and say that. Nobody's perfect. There were times in which... And I said this at the top where uh, that's political what he just did there. He switched his opinion on this. He's not that. Yeah, no, you're right. Absolutely. But maybe I'm just feeling this way and it's not true. When I think of John McCain, I think of a better time. I think of a simpler time. And he's going to be missed in the Senate. And as somebody who can look back and say, I think he's what got me into politics, his campaign got me into politics, I'm certainly going to miss him. So I'm not saying this was the most eloquent thing I've ever put together, but I wanted to talk from the heart about Senator McCain uh, as just like everybody else is a normal American citizen who watched as we lost a hero. And, you know, I, I was talking to my wife about this it may have been during the election that should there be certain things you need to have to be president? You know, right now it's just age and being born here, right? That's it. That's basically what you need to to become president. And then it's up to the American people to vote on you. You look back at history, and I'm not sure that I have the answer to this because I think we do treat our veterans better than we used to. I've brought this up on the air before. It It sickens me to know that when people came back from Vietnam, they were spit at and they were called baby killers and they were treated like garbage because they disagreed with the war. Disagreeing with the war is never a reason to hate on our troops. They're heroes. Every single one of them that goes overseas, 
They are heroes. They are so brave. And I, I always wonder every day, I, I, what can we do? Can we do more? Other than donating to charity, what can we do to show our veterans we love them and they're doing a job that I've never done? I probably wouldn't be very good at it. They are the ultimate heroes. And I, it sickens me to think that that's how people were treated, veterans were treated when they came home. But on the other side, we don't elect military guys and gals to the presidency anymore. You know, why is that? I mean, the last person to have served in a war to be elected president was George H.W. Bush. That was not five minutes ago. That was in 1988. He lost his reelection bid to a guy that didn't participate in Vietnam, and there were questions as to why, right? I think he was called a draft dodger. I'm not calling him that, but he didn't participate in the war. In 2000, George W. Bush served in the reserves, the National Guard, the National Guard. That's what it was. And there was questions about that, but he didn't serve in Vietnam and he law or beat a POW for the Republican nomination. In 2004, he then beat another man who fought in Vietnam in John Kerry. In 2008, a very inexperienced but inspirational senator defeated that same POW. And then in 2016, we had two people who didn't fight anywhere. And certainly on the Republican side, there are questions much like Bill Clinton and George W. Bush on, did that person want to fight in the war? And so I don't know what's happened, but We as Americans don't elect war heroes anymore. And there is something to be said for doing so, because one of the most important jobs, in my opinion, the most important job of the president of the United States is making that decision of making the decision to send men and women, boys and girls into a armed conflict and stereotyping. I would think that the people who could make that decision the best are the ones who have done it. And so I I don't think there should be a rule that says you have to have served in the military. But I think Dwight Eisenhower looked at Korea and looked at the military industrial complex differently because he was Dwight freaking Eisenhower. I think Kennedy and Nixon were able to do the same. They served in World War II. So I don't know if we'll ever get back to it. Maybe in 2020, maybe in 2024. John McCain would have been great, though. I really believe that. Whether in 2000 or 2008, I do think he would have been a really good president. And he'll be missed. So I appreciate you listening if you did. Uh, This has been a different kind of edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast.